Advent brings Christ. And of course, this is a the treasure of our celebration, the meaning of our celebration. It's the theme of our celebration every year. And truly, it's the theme of our celebration all the year long. It's, it's what the prophets foretold. It's uh, what God's people in uh, the New Testament that are recorded received in the form of the little baby Christ, Jesus Christ. And of course, we knew that he, know that he did not remain as an infant, but he grew. He became a man who lived a perfect and sinless life, who glorified his father, and who gave himself ultimately on the cross to secure our redemption, pay for our sin. This is what the hope of Advent is all about. This is why uh, we can experience love. This is why we can experience joy and peace. It's because of Christ, and Advent brings Christ. And uh, this evening, for just a few moments, uh, as we round out Christmas Eve, and as we prepare for our celebration tomorrow in our homes and families, I want to speak on that theme for just a short while. Advent brings Christ. Thousands of people all across the globe have been celebrating these same themes or similar ones to them uh, over the last four weeks. And uh, we've said this uh, last Sunday, I believe, but Advent really is all about anticipation. It's all about waiting and expectation. And uh, we're all familiar with seasons of waiting and expectation in life. We wait for many good things, uh, especially this time of year. Um, I don't know what you think of, but I go back in my mind to childhood and uh, waiting for that sort of uh, euphoric feeling of seeing the Christmas presents under the tree. And uh, my parents were, were pretty strict about us not seeing any gifts or opening any presents before Christmas morning. And I don't know how she did it with, with four children in the house, and our house was not that big, but my mother was somehow an expert at hiding every last gift until the last minute. And uh, she, she kept it from all of us. And uh, I have to admit that for me, waiting was half the fun. Now, maybe you were the kind of kid who wanted to find the presents. Um, maybe you were the kind of kid who, who wanted to spoil the surprise and see what you were going to get. But for me, waiting was half the fun. Um, and I didn't really want to snoop around and find those gifts because that would have spoiled, for me at least, that anticipation. So first thing, Christmas morning, I remember I would emerge from my room, come down the hall, around the corner, and look into the living room and see the packages that were under the Christmas tree that had been placed there by my parents the night before. And uh, there was also always a little bit more waiting in anticipation as well because I knew that before one present was opened that morning, my dad would read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and uh, we would have prayer. And uh, my parents were very careful to keep Christ right at the heart of every part of our Christmas celebration. And of course, I'm very thankful for that until this day, and I have good memories of it. And I continue that with my children now. Anticipation, though, for us would even grow further because I knew that after we opened gifts, uh, we would all get dressed and walk down the road just a short, a short ways to my grandparents' house where we would meet cousins and aunts and uncles and friends and family, and we would eat the Christmas breakfast feast that uh, my grandmother would always prepare and still does, and that has been a staple in my family for decades. All that anticipation every year was part of Christmas celebration for me. But that's just one 
example of waiting, and it's a small one, maybe insignificant considering the topic that we have tonight. You also have vivid times of anticipation. Maybe you've been engaged and you were waiting for your wedding day to arrive. Maybe you've been a person who's had uh, an, a job interview for a, a better job or a, a job in general, and you have been anticipating receiving that phone call from your prospective employer. Maybe you've been an eager parent or a loved one waiting to hear the outcome of, of a surgery or something like that. And uh, maybe, and probably though, the most poignant type of waiting and anticipation that we experience as humans is waiting for the arrival of a newborn child. And uh, perhaps of all the earthly waiting experience, that one is, is the most thrilling, perhaps the most fulfilling, because when that child comes, you find that it was fully worth the wait. Some things in life we wait for and we find out, well, maybe it wasn't all that worth it after all. But there's something about when you see a newborn baby, when you see that child, uh, when you see the color of their hair, the color of their eyes, when you, when you hear that first soft but earnest uh, cry, you feel the fullness of that waiting and that expectation coming to life right before your eyes. And you've, you know that that waiting, that excitement, that worry was worth it. Well, the birth of a baby, of course, in a real but also in a transcendent sense, is what the anticipation and the waiting of Advent is all about. And we read in Luke chapter 2 the account of the most significant birth of all history, the account that brings to an end the most, uh, the most fulfilling waiting of all time, the, the account that secures the reality of promises that assures the faith of thousands of people and that set in motion the most wonderful story of hope, love, joy, and peace that there ever was. I want to read from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Of course, this familiar text, but it doesn't get old, and we must consider it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with, his, with, uh, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What do you see and hear when you read that account? Perhaps we see tradition, like I said. For me, it was every Christmas morning we read that story. Uh, do you see history? Yes, we do. Do you see beauty and simplicity? Well, yes, all of those things are there. There is tradition. There is real history. There is beauty. There is simplicity. But what we also see in that account is divine planning, divine wisdom, and divine mystery sort of all wrapped up in the birth of a child. The birth of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of the Son of God, remains 
the most mysterious yet beautiful display of God's work that has ever been. It's no wonder that the world celebrates, though perhaps many in ignorance, but all of us are surely in some degree of ignorance to the fullness of the wonder and the beauty of this story, but the whole world celebrates the birth of this infant, Jesus Christ. But the birth of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of the Son of God, it is the centerpiece of our celebration. It is the gem and the jewel of this season. It's the day spring of life and light that makes hope, love, joy, and peace possible and makes them real. Yes, Advent brings Christ. This morning, or this evening rather, for just a few minutes, we'll see this as sort of the main idea. The Christmas story is a story of divine timing. At the perfect time, God sent his son to redeem men and to make slaves into sons. We read earlier at the beginning of this service from uh, Galatians chapter number four, and I want to read that again as we consider now uh, in this way. Uh, Paul says again, in the same way also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Paul is speaking in this passage, as he often does, of sort of the analogy of, of Abraham, uh, Father Abraham and his, his offspring or his seed, the analogy of Abraham to our faith. Uh, as, as Paul closed Galatians chapter 3, um, we are seen there as Abraham's offspring by faith or children of the promise. And what promise is that? Well, it goes all the way back to the, the very promise in which God said he would bless all of the nations, all of the families of the earth through Abraham's lineage, through his seed, through his offspring. Now, that happened in, in many ways, in small ways throughout history, but it happened in one big way when one of his offspring, perhaps his offspring with a capital O, was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary. Paul says of us, we were enslaved, in verse 3, to the elementary principles of the world. Without going into great detail, uh, we can simply say about that, that before Christ entered in, we were slaves to what was, what was out of our control, whether that was the way things were, the, the physical elements, the spiritual elements, the, the law which proved us guilty, whatever it was, we were slaves and any freedom would only come after waiting, after waiting. Paul even says there that a son who is an heir is really the same as a slave until his father says it's the right time. And uh, it's, it's a, we see that anticipation. In verse 1, we see that as long as he is a son. Verse 2, un, until the day or until the time. Well, with our waiting, Paul turns our focus 
to the ultimate waiting, and that was the waiting, as he says, until the fullness of time. The fullness of time. Now, whatever is it that filled up this time of waiting? Perhaps the exact answer is a mystery. It probably is. Many things are to us. But in God's wisdom, in his glory, in his providence, the fullness of time, as it's recorded there, came just over 2,000 years ago in the birth of Jesus Christ. And what was wrapped up in that fullness of time? It could be many things. Was it the peace of the, the, the Roman government in that era? Was it, the, uh, was it the ease of international travel because of the road system? Was it the, the, the freedom of communication because of a widespread common language? Or was it, on the other hand, the, the political tension for the Jewish people under the rule of Herod the Great? What was it? Uh, was it the timing of the, the taxing or the registration that brought Joseph to his hometown of Bethlehem? the city of David, where the Messiah was to be born. Perhaps it was all of these things. And even if it wasn't, all these things served to make the life of that child, Jesus Christ, stand out like a chandelier of grace in the darkness. But whatever it was, whatever was wrapped up in the filling up, the fullness of that time, the anticipation, the hope, the expectation culminated in God sending forth his son. There's a lot wrapped up in that. Uh, God sent forth his son. Uh, in other words, he didn't create a new son. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't give birth to a, a new son. He sent forth his eternal son. Yes, Jesus Christ is the God-man forever existing in perfect harmony with his father. Yet. In this way, he willingly lowered himself into his own creation. Paul says uh, he was sending forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. We could say he was born in one sense like us, to live in one sense like us. In other words, his, his life was real. His birth was real. The, the difficulties and trials of life were real. The testing and temptations of life were real, yet in another way, his birth was miraculous and his life was miraculous. He was born without sin and he lived without sin, doing what we could never do to accomplish what we could never accomplish, redemption, salvation, and as we've seen in this passage, adoption. This son then became a servant so that we could become sons. The divine servant uh, that Isaiah speaks of in many places in his uh, book of prophecy, that divine servant was a servant of his father and a servant of his people and ultimately became a servant even unto death. And imagine the creator, the, the giver and the sustainer of life submitting to the process, and a gruesome one at that, of death. But he did for redemption, for salvation, for adoption. And now, by faith, we are sons. And if you're not, then by the work of that son, you may become one. You who are, as this passage says, slaves under the law. 
may obtain redemption by grace through faith in this son. And you who are a slave, as this passage says, as we all are, can receive adoption. Adoption in which the Holy Spirit of God within us cries out, Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means so much, but a slave can hardly address his master at times. A slave can hardly look his superior in the eye, but a son, a son can cry out to his father with confidence, knowing that he hears, knowing that he cares, knowing that he loves. A good father always has his eye for the future, an eye for, for planning, an eye for provision. And God, the heavenly father, in his infinite wisdom, had an eye for the perfect timing of when he would send his son, Jesus Christ. The culmination of redemption story, the, the anticipation of promises made, the, the realization of those promises being kept. So as we celebrate, Tonight, tomorrow, through the rest of this year, and into the year to come, may all of these themes of Advent point brightly and clearly to Christ, just as God's redemption plan pointed perfectly to him, the masterful divine timing. So may the hope, love, joy, and peace of Advent show you Christ, for it is because of and through Jesus Christ that we know and experience all of these things. Advent brings hope. Advent, Advent brings love. Advent brings joy. Advent brings peace. For Advent brought Christ. Lord Jesus, you are the, the treasure of this Advent celebration. You are the, the gem and the jewel of, of this majesty. You are the, the peace. You are the love. You are the hope. You are the joy of all who come to faith in you. You are the, the reason why we can experience all these things. And you are the one who was sent at just the time. Thank you, Father, oh God, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for coming, for being obedient, even to death. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us as believers and crying out within us, Abba, Father, for we have received adoption as sons because of the Son of God who is given. May our celebration be filled with all these things, these blessings, but may it be filled with uh, with a longing and an expectation also, Lord Jesus, that you are not done yet and you will return once again as the promised king. And until then, may we worship, may we seek peace, uh, may we seek that the earth would be filled with your glory and may we spread your renown in all ways, especially and even now at Christmas. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.